For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's going on, Bird Gang? This is Darren Sproles here. I just want to thank you all for tuning in to Eagles Brawl, the Brawl Network. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating. Fly, Eagles, fly. This is a Brawl Network production. You're listening to the Eagles Brawl Podcast. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! Here to take you on the road to victory. It's Connor Miles, Ed Cross, Johnny Page, and Tyler Steege. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Eagles Brawl of the Brawl Network. However, you're listening, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Radio.com, or wherever you get the podcast. We greatly appreciate it. Co-host Connor Miles here with my co-host Ed Crass of Sports Illustrated. Ed, it's been a long time since we recorded. The Eagles are actually making moves on this cap situation, thank God, since <laughs> the last time we've talked. They're only at negative eighteen million per over the cap.com uh when previously before we probably last recorded it was probably 43 million mm-hmm. so how are you doing the right moves to get him in position to i mean i don't want to say make ways in free agency but they might be able to bring in a player or two and i before so i couldn't even fathom how they were going to be able to do it now i'm wondering hey maybe because i look back on the 2016 offseason because i think that's the that should be your starting point for what the eagles are doing now even if they don't draft a quarterback at six you still really don't know what Jalen Hurts is. He could still be your unknown Carson Wentz coming into that 2016 season. So I, I really go back to that offseason, and I'm looking at it the same way this way. They brought in two cornerstone players that played huge roles in that team winning the championship, and Brandon Brooks and Rodney McLeod that offseason. I'm wondering, maybe, Ed, maybe they're getting in a position to do the same. Uh, all you have to do is, if you get rid of Derek Barnett, you figure out the Zach Ertz situation, and you restructure Brandon Graham, you're you're in a pretty good cap position. I'm, I'm assuming most free agents said are probably going to take a low cap figure for 2021 just because of what the cap is. It's at 185, uh, or excuse me, 182.5. Right. That's that's. I mean, we can't really fathom how low it was. That was 198 last year. The impact of COVID was severely felt in this cap situation. I I would assume that most free agents pr- are probably taking maybe longer deals with more money attached towards the middle of it and the end of it than they are for the first year of it. So, yeah. I mean, Ed, the Eagles could be players to, you know, bring in, you know, I know I know some people are talking about John Johnson, which would be a Ronnie McLeod type move again, a young safety for this team. What are you thinking, man? I mean, there's, there's, some, there's some options on this free agent market where this Eagles can maybe make a move or two. Well, I, you know, I, I, I would think some of the lower end free agents might, 
sign at a bargain, but there are, there are teams that have money, even though there's a $182.5 million uh, cap charge in the NFL this year, which is down from $198.2 million last year. Um, but I think the expectation is it's going to go up in 2022. We'll see how full the stadiums are in the fall. We'll see what the new TV contracts look like. But I think the expectation is, um, even though that they're kind of spreading out some of this uh, – uh, this economic woe that they had this year, they're going to spread that out over a couple of years. I think the expectation is, is that the cap is going to go up again in 2022. This is the first year it ever came down. And there are free agents out there that are going to command big money. I mean, there always are, but the Eagles aren't going to be, uh, you know, playing uh, on that side of the field with these guys. Um, you know, there's some good pass rushers out there. Uh, you know, Ryan Kerrigan in Washington, uh, he, he's available. Uh, there, there's some other ones out there. And the Eagles could use a pass rusher. Um, you mentioned there are still $18 million over the cap as we sit here on, you know, Sunday, March 14th, three days before they have to be in salary cap compliance. But in order to become players, obviously, in free agency, you have to get below the $18 million. That only puts you under the salary cap. You have to go even further uh, to maybe, you know, at least I would think 15 million, probably 20 million in order to get, uh, one or two players kind of in the low rent district of free agency, because you need money to sign your, what do they have now? 10 draft picks or nine draft picks. They were awarded the two comp picks, the two six rounders. Uh, they have 10 picks. Yeah. So, I mean, you still have those 10 picks that you're going to have to get signed. So you have to leave some of that money for them. So they, they still have a lot of work to do. And, you know, as much as they've done so far, you know, restructuring Darius Slay and saving $9 million or so and restructuring Brandon Brooks and saving $7 million, um, they need to do a lot more. Uh, you mentioned Derek Barnett. He's counting $10 million. Are they just going to cut him uh, and weaken their, their position at the defensive end spot in a draft where the defensive ends are all over the map, these edge rushers? Daniel Jeremiah said that GMs are all over the map with – who's good, who's not, you know, the evaluations of DNs are all over the place. So I, I think they're trying like crazy to restructure him and hope Barnett accepts some kind of a restructure, maybe takes a pay cut, but he's only 24 years old. So I'm not sure he's going to want to do that. I'm not sure he's going to, I, I want to pick him as a player that would do that. Yeah, um, so $10 dollars. You know, you're yeah. 18 million and you still have Zach Ertz who's counting, you know, they're, it's interesting that he has – nothing's happened on, on the Zach Ertz front to me. I, I think, you know, they're trying like crazy to trade him. Um, I just don't think it's going to happen, man. I told – again, we talked about this last time. Now you have Kyle Rudolph as a free agent. Hunter Henry's hidden free agency that everybody knows that about. John o. Smith is hidden free agency. Like, teams can be like, I don't want to get that up for him on his contract when there's tight ends out there. And I would completely understand that, man. I'm not going to lie. I think it's going to end in a release. Yeah. Well, Zach is better than – you know, Kyle Rudolph. Oh, I completely understand. I think he's Connor the I, Henry is the plum of the of the class. Obviously, he's twenty six years old, and you know. Yeah, but I would still take Ertz, man. To be honest with you, Hunter Henry's injury prone. I yeah. can't rely on Hunter Henry. I can rely on Zach Ertz, but I, I I think you know. To me, I'm wondering now if the Eagles are going to release him. Are they going to try to get below the salary cap and go even further below the cap as this free agency period goes on? Um, by hanging on to him because other te- because I think they want value for Zach Ertz and I know it won't make that's, Zach happy. That's absolutely why because if um, if it wasn't for that the the decision is done. Yeah, I think. Well, I wonder if he's still going to be a part of this team after March seventeenth, even after 
the new league year begins because they might try to hang on to him because other teams are saying, well, you're just going to release him anyway. Well, what if the Eagles don't release him? Yeah, Zach's not going to be happy, but then they're going to see the Eagles mean business. They're going to try to keep him on this team. Um, that That's kind of a long shot, I think. But, I mean, listen, anything's in play here as they try to uh, find value for Ertz. And I think he's got – I know a lot of people say he had the down year and he's 30 years old, but I think he's got plenty left in the tank. And, I, you know, I'm really surprised no team has kind of made, uh, you know, more of an offer for him at this point. To be honest, but I mean, I, it could happen. It yeah, could happen. it could happen. I mean, I think a fifth round pick gets it done right now. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, agree. Three, I think it's done. But, but I, you know, so he's four point nine million off the cap. You have Derek Barnett's ten million. You're eighteen million. You know what else? What else are they doing here? They're gonna maybe Brandon, Graham, Brandon Graham has to do something to uh, to alleviate. And I mean, uh, Derek Guns reported that they've already been in talking of doing so. So. Yeah. And even Lane Johnson. Now you're hearing reports that maybe they won't restructure Lane, but, you know, there, there are still moves to be made here that, that that's going to have to get them under the cap. Malik Jackson, I guess, will get released. Um, but, you know, here we are three days before the new league year. There's still $18 million over. They're, they're one of only six teams now that are over the cap this late in, in the offseason. Um, and they're one of the worst. <laughs> Uh, at being over the cap, I think the Rams are 33 million over, which is crazy. And then I think yep. there's another team, but then the Eagles are like, you know, fourth, I think, in the in the six teams that are over. So they, they yeah, the Saints even them out by a million. Yeah, this and the Saints have been chopping, got you know, players left and right. So I mean, it's to me, it's uh, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done, and it's going to be a busy week with uh, what the Eagles are going to do here. But they still need to do quite a bit to get to the cap one and then below the cap two in order to go out and get free agents. I have prediction of three free agents they bring in. Oh, okay, good. And it goes along the lines of what you're saying, because I completely agree with you. There's no way that this team is spending in free agency. Not only that, I feel like you really have to just evaluate this year. You know, I mean, look, would it be nice to bring in a John Johnson? Absolutely. But I also think you shouldn't – really tell yourself what Kayvon Wallace is yet before you're really giving yourself a real good chance to see him. I think that's unfair. And I do think I would not let him play into my decision of signing John Johnson or not. But I I, I do think you really got to see what you have in him. Rodney McLeod, you still, he showed you he still has a lot in the, left in the tank. I know he's coming off the ACL injury, but he, he still has something to, to you, I mean, you can't even get rid of him, honestly, Ed. No. If you get rid of him, his, you actually lose money getting rid of him. So he's going to be an eagle this year. But you don't know when he's going to be playing. You don't know if right. he's going to be able to play week one. I mean, that, that to me is kind of a, a long shot as to when the he's going to play. Is that there's no way. I don't think that those type of signings are in the in the cards. I yeah. think it's going to be like Anthony Walker Jr. from the Colts, the middle linebacker, or linebacker. I think that's the type of guy you look forward to. He worked in – Matt Uberfuss' system, if that's what Jonathan Gannon's trying to implement here, there's a good linebacking teacher that can teach Alex Singleton and the rest of the guys how to how to run this system. I think Michael Davis, the cornerback from uh, excuse me, Los Angeles Chargers, 6'2", big guy. I think that he fits the Jonathan Gannon profile, plays outside, helps you move Avante Maddox inside, and I'll move into later in the episode why I think Maddox is actually in for a bigger year than before. Now that he's going to be used to his strengths, but I think that will be a key signing for the Eagles, and not that doesn't take that much money. A guy who's only twenty six years old at twenty six years old, he might have some, you know, 
in Jonathan Gannon's system, Jonathan Gannon does some great stuff with these corners. I mean, I'd be interested to see what he does with a, a Michael Davis. And that doesn't prelude you from taking a quarterback high in the draft either. Mm-hmm. It just gives you a guy, gives you an option uh, to not force your rookie out there right away or, you know, competition. Cause that's what Nick Sirianni is all about. And the last one would be sack Baskell. I know that's everybody. Everybody's pegging him to be an Eagles pick. That's a wide receiver. You're probably not going to spend too much money on. Look, Travis Fogum. We love him. We think he has great potential. I would like to see what Nick Sirianni does with Travis Fogum. Cause after, after seeing what Nick Sirianni did and back when they were the San Diego Chargers with Tyrell Williams, I have absolute faith that this guy could do something with Travis Fogum. But you, you also have to bring insurance to that faith. And I think Zach Pascal would be a great insurance backup to that faith in case, in case he doesn't work out because he can play the slot and he can play the ex-rod receiver position. That's what the Eagles are going to need behind Travis Fogum because if you don't have that guy, you have nothing because J.J. Osega Whiteside, I know everybody's starting to get excited. Oh, we got a new coaching staff. Maybe he can turn them around. I'm not banking on him at all. I'm not banking on him at all. I think that's a potential preseason cut, to be honest with you. I think it's time to cut your losses there and move on. Maybe even trade him if you can to like the Patriots or something who might who had some pre-draft interest in him. Anything, Ed, at this point, I'm signing Zach Paschal, and I'm going to bank on the potential Travis Fulgham. Let those two go at it. Those are the type of guys that, yes, you, you can bring in, but they don't prelude you from drafting a linebacker. They don't prelude you from drafting a cornerback. They don't prelude you from drafting a wide receiver. They just help the depth chart, and they bring in guys who have some familiar, some sort of uh, familiar, blah, some sort of chemistry, you know, some sort of something that they have with these guys. Uh, Zach Pascal with Nick Sirianni in Indianapolis. Again, Anthony Walker playing with in Jonathan Gannon's defense as well. And Michael Davis just fits what they need. So yeah, I think they need guys. Yeah, because I don't think they're going to But listen, they, the they've got to get a quarterback in there somewhere, to me, in my opinion. They have to find yeah, a it would probably be Tyrod. I would think in the, if if yeah, you bring in those three free agents at once, my option would probably be Tyrod because of the price. Yeah. Well, he, Here's the problem is there's a lot of teams that need quarterbacks. So, yeah. you know, the Eagles aren't, you know, you just can't go out and pick who you want. You're going to have to throw money uh, at the most important position on the I field. I like Tyrod, to be honest with you, man. I would be, I would not be confident in my team if, if Jalen Hurts goes down and Tyrod has to play. Yeah, I, think I, I agree. But, I mean, again, first of all, we don't know what the Eagles are going to have to spend. But to me, you have to prioritize a quarterback in the free agency period here. So, yeah, I, th- I think it'd be great to get Davis and Walker and Pascal, But to me, you got to find a quarterback. If you don't find a veteran quarterback, yeah. you're, again, you're kind of hamstrung and you're going into the draft needing to take two quarterbacks, you know. And Tyreek yeah. uh, injury, uh, yeah. not really that good anymore, really, because when he played with the Browns, he was awful. I mean, you look at guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick. Could he be interested in coming in or Alex Smith? Who, could come here. He was the back, you know, he started over Brian Johnson, the quarterback coach at Utah. So, you know, Johnson and Smith have some history, but uh, you know, I would be looking kind of in that realm and, you know, maybe they come for relatively cheap price tag, but uh, that's what you need is you need a quarterback and you need a cheap quarterback. And in this day and age with quarterback needy teams out there, I'm not sure how cheap you're going to get a quarterback. So that to me is going to consume a lot of whatever they have to spend. And then, you know, I think Pascal's going to have a market out there, to be honest with you. I mean, Oh, he may, he may. Yeah, you're right. You no, know, but obviously he knows, you know, will, will that familiarity with Sirianni help 
the Eagles, if they really want to bring him in or even I'm the Tigers. guy looking for some kind of security, though. So that's like one of my examples of you give a three-year deal and the money's not great the first year, but the next couple of years he makes it a little bit worth it. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's hard to say. I mean, I think you're going to give a lot of one-year prove-it deals to guys like Maley Cooker. Like you, you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, John Johnson. I, I, I don't think he's going to be in play here. I really don't. But a Maley Cooker very well could be. Uh, in fact, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they signed Maley Cooker because uh, he's going to be cheap. Now, he's coming off of an injury, too. He's had some injuries. That's my issue head. with Maley Cooker. I, I don't want to play favorites and say, hey, yeah, I'm all in on Kayvon Wallace. But I think Kayvon Wallace, and again, I, from speaking with him and about to do this feature with him soon for Sports Illustrated, I I, I think there's a, a role for him in this defense. And I think that the def- the Jonathan Gannon and these guys feel that way too because this guy can not only just play safety position, he can play in the box, he can play deep, he plays slot. He does pretty much what Malcolm what they wanted Malcolm what excuse me, what Jim Schwartz asked Malcolm Jacobs to do in his prime. Mm-hmm. I like to see that in a Jonathan Gannon system. And again, this is a guy who many argued was a second, third round pick that the Eagles fell to them in the fourth. I, I, it doesn't prelude me for m- making any safety moves, but for a guy like Millie Cooker, he's guaranteed to get hurt. It's not. This isn't just his only injuries coming off. He has he has a laundry list of injuries. He didn't get his first round option picked up for a reason. I don't know if that to me and the huge thing of what they were saying about Millie Cooker in Indianapolis was, was that he wasn't a good fit for Matt Uberflus. So if I don't think he's a good fit for him, I don't know if he's a good fit for Jonathan Gannon. And I understand where you're going with that and everything, and that's what everybody because a lot of people pick Malik Hooker to be on the Eagles, but uh, I would just rather see Kayvon Wallace. Yeah, I, well, I, I, absolutely. Kayvon's going to have a role. I mean, he's going to be given or bring Jalen Mills back for that matter. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, again, I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at kind of economical, you know, low risk, high reward type guys like a Malik Cooker. It's not going to cost you much yeah. to bring him in because of the injury. So, you know, that's the kind of free agent. It's just an example of guys you're going to have to look at uh, without a whole lot of money to spend as of now. Now, maybe they'll. You know, they'll come out and they'll cut Barnett and trade Ertz and make, you know, three other moves to get them 30 million under the cap. But I, I don't see that happening. Um, so you're going to have to look at guys like coming off the injury that you're going to have to gamble yeah. on, like even a Marlon Mack, you know, running back from the Colts. Um, That'd be exciting, though. I was praying the Eagles would draft Marlon Mack in the 2016 draft. I really wanted, excuse me, 2017 draft. I really wanted him over Donald Humphrey. I so badly wanted Marlon Mack over Donald Pumphrey. Yeah, well, the Eagles wanted Donald Pumphrey. And it didn't I know. I, I don't know why. And, you know, Pumphrey went before Mack. It was insane because Mack was great at UCF. I mean, excuse yeah. me, USF. Yeah, I think yeah. it was University of South Florida. But uh, he was great there, man. He was yeah. really great. I would like – him and Sanders, I mean, they're very similar, but you having two elusive backs that could create space on the zone, uh, that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. So, I know. I, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, yeah. I mean, these are great names and, you know, we'd love to see some of these guys come on board, but it's going to be, I, I like your choice of Anthony Walker. I think that's a real good one at linebacker. I mean, Eagles sign a linebacker in free agency every year. It seems like J, J Tavius right. Brown last year, who decided to retire after they traded for him or signed him. I should say they brought in Corey Nelson as a free agent, LJ Fort, um, you, you know, they bring in these free agent linebackers every year. So I, I certainly think that's 
a good possibility, Anthony. All right. Yeah, Anthony him. Walker goes along those lines too, but he's he's twenty six and he had some moments for the Colts too. So I wouldn't I wouldn't mind seeing him and Alex Singleton together because I just don't have faith in the rest of the guys. Yeah, right. And then maybe they take a linebacker somewhere in the draft. You know, it's a pretty. Deep oh, I still would. Yeah, I, I absolutely. Yeah, you, you hope you can get one later. You know, maybe on the third day, somewhere. But then you know we're discounting guys like Sean Bradley and Davion Taylor that. You know, we talk about this year's draft class, but but last year they had ten picks. They've lost two of those guys now, Casey Tuhill and Prince Tegan who have moved on. But you know, you still have eight draft picks from the twenty twenty class that you can't discount those guys either. You mentioned Kayvon Wallace and the two linebackers I just mentioned, and you know, you have to really kind of lean on those guys in camps and see what they can do now in year two, and you hope that they can make that progression. Uh, and, and contribute Absolutely. more this year. How he's going to want to? How he's going to want to see the return investment on Davion Taylor? No matter what, it's going to come at some point in time. They're going to yeah. definitely want to see Davion Taylor. So I agree with you, but I still think they need to draft a linebacker. Which is, I don't know when they will. I think I honestly don't think they will until day three, if anything. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Yeah, so, it depends who their best player on the board is when that second round pick comes along at thirty seven. You know, if they see a linebacker there they like, then maybe they grab him. But yeah, I mean, I know we did our mock drafts, and I had a linebacker in the second round, but I, the more you think about it. Good linebacker. Yeah, I mean, you got to see Bradley and Taylor and see what they have and bring in maybe a third-day guy or a free agent to, to put into the mix there and just come back, run back with what you have with Alex Singleton and TJ Edwards. And I did not like our backup quarterback. I mean, I those guys are possible, like especially Alex Smith and Tyrod Taylor. I'm not confident in them, though. I'm hoping that they you draft a quarterback like we'll be in attendance for Stanford's virtual pro day soon. Uh, we'll be seeing a guy like Davis Mills. Like I would like to see that maybe as the backup, if anything, because you're a young team. Might as well have you know go back with what the Eagles did. I keep comparing all of these things that they did back in the day, and this is supposed to be a new era and everything. But when you go into the 2013 camp and you have Foles. Yeah, Vic, and then you threw Barkley into the mix at the fourth round. Guy, do the same thing here. Bring in, bring in another rookie guy. And I, I, Davis Mills is perfect for me. Yeah, uh, I, I think you'll see them draft a quarterback. I really do. They they almost have to. Um, and whatever quarterback you would get in the third and the fourth round is better than Tyler Taylor and Alex Smith today. Yeah, I, I'm just saying you you need the third quarterback. And where's yeah. that guy going to come? Are you going to draft two? In, in I don't think you bring Sudfeld back. Uh, well, we'll see how what the market is for Sudfeld. You know, I don't know. I mean, that's that's the old. I I would be like, hey, that, that's what our old staff. Yeah, like you know, let's 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 go with the new staff. That's mm-hmm. what they think. Let's draft a quarterback because Sudfeld was supposed to be a third string project that you develop. Nate Sudfeld started the quarterback factory, by the way. When they got Nate Sudfeld. They they got him off waivers from after Washington drafted him. They were supposed to develop it. They developed him on the practice squad, got him all the way to third string, never trusted him enough to be second string, but they got him to third string. Mm-hmm. Uh, that He started the whole quarterback young factory when they because they had Wentz, Sudfeld, and everybody's like, why are you bringing in Sudfeld when you have Wentz? He, he's young too. He has potential, and, you know, he started the quarterback factory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess you can point to him as as the well, guy. I don't, I don't bring him back. I, bring, I would want to develop a new guy under my new staff. 
Yeah, and and I think you bring a veteran in, and that, and Sudfeld is a veteran at this point. You know, whether you like it or not, this would be his fourth year back with Philadelphia. He came into the league with the Redskins, you know, with Washington, like you said, and then oh, um, Nate Sudfeld, quarterback, too, finally gets the story gets told, but on not under Doug Peterson. You could put that under the next Doug Peterson book instead of Fearless Sudfeldness. Yeah, I'm not sure if they bring him back, he would make it the QB too if they draft somebody. I mean, like you said, Davis Mills or whoever. Again, that's somebody that would be better than Nate Sudfeld. Again, if you draft a quarterback in the third round, fourth round, he's better than Nate Sudfeld. Yeah, I, yeah, right. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, look, it, it could be Sudfeld, but I'd rather see like a guy that has more experience and who can kind of be a mentor. And I, Alex Smith, you know. Right, Dak thanking Alex Smith for getting him through his recovery. Yeah. That meant to me. So if you can, if I mean, if Alex Smith commits for Jalen Harris, that's not a bad thing. No, I think it would be a great addition. Um, again, but I don't know if I Alex just wouldn't trust him to play. To, to, I don't know if Smith's ready to handle that role yet. I think he's going to try to explore starting options. So, uh, you know, this could be kind of a slow developing offseason quarterback market. Uh, I don't expect the Eagles to come out swinging on a, a free agency and sign a quarterback. I think it could be, you know, a week or two or longer before, you know, that veteran quarterback is identified. Um, and this could be a process with the Eagles. You know, they they could just get to the salary cap minimum on by Wednesday and not have any money to spend and just kind of look and see how the market develops, unfolds. So, Ed, this latest article by Jeff McQueen is something, huh? With the, <laughs> the Jeffrey Leary mess that we all knew. Because, you know – you and I have always talked about this, that the Eagles have had accountability issues, and we keep saying it, and I'm sure our listeners are tired of us saying it now, but that's that's the thing here that I read from this article is that, again, we're pointing fingers at just whoever we can possibly point fingers at because we have no idea who to really point the finger at. Uh, you and I have said it multiple times. Howie Roseman is Jeffrey Lurie in the sense of the process. Uh, whatever Howie does, I feel like it's at Jeffrey's bidding or at least they're on some sort of agreement on it. So I think if you fire Harry Roseman, you're essentially firing Jeffrey Lurie in the process. You're not going to fire Jeffrey Lurie. It's just not going to happen. He's your owner. So I'm reading this article, and it's interesting to see, like, the the one Jeff puts as a source, uh, the team, Jeffrey Lurie views the team in Harry Roseman glasses, color glasses. And then you hear about the Lane Johnson incident where how he's, belittling him and berating him for for not trying to play the game all this all this stuff in here that you know that the typical the good McLean stuff I should say what do you think man I mean and then he also put about how Doug was checking him mentally checking himself out last year which I think is understandable too you know going through COVID all the stuff he's got going on uh I mean he has some stuff going on with his brother too and then having the stuff with Wentz and just the, the ugliness of that team. I think it's easy. I, I honestly, I feel like I last year I was checking myself out mentally from that team as well. Mm-hmm. What do you take from that article, man? Is it just something? Is this again just some of the stuff we already knew? Just being kicked the head the, the the horse when he's dead. Yeah, I mean, look, I thought it was you know it was a very well researched article. I mean, it, he spent months on it, right? Uh, right it was it, interviewed I, phenomenal piece. People. I'm not going to lie, phenomenal piece. Yeah, I think it was a good article. Yeah. Really good article. I mean, yeah, it, you know, it cover, uh, uncovered some new ground with the Lane Johnson, you know, uh, relationship with Howie and how Howie kind of, uh, you know, said some things that angered Johnson. I mean, that was interesting. And, 
you know, uh, the accountability thing, I think, is what I get out of it is where where is the accountability? I mean, it starts from the top, you know, who is accountable for this stuff? I mean, we all have our opinions. We all kind of, uh, you know, who drafted Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson and, you know, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside over D.K. Metcalf. I mean, we're, who's to blame? And even Andre Dillard. We don't know what Andre Dillard is from 2020 class or 2019 class. So um, that whole accountability theme to me is really what struck me from that article is where is the accountability? If it's not going to be taken from the top, from your owner and your general manager, then that's going to filter down into the locker room. And you know, maybe we saw that with Carson Wentz and, you know, the refusal to accept any accountability there. So uh, you need to have accountability in any organization and it needs to start at the top. And, you know, if anything, to me, that article kind of bore out that there is no accountability. And, you know, you hope with the new staff with Sirianni and, and Steichen and, and Gannon and, and these guys at all are a brand new staff, you know, from outside the Andy Reid tree, from outside the Eagles organization, um, you hope that they bring some accountability. You hope that that trickle down doesn't happen uh, with the coaching staff this year and they hold players accountable um, regardless of what Howie and Jeff or Jeff and Howie, you know, I don't even know how you can separate those two at this point. So, you know, you, you hope that they hold players accountable and they don't, they stand their ground when it comes to doing so, despite what Howie and, and Jeffrey are saying, you know, because they know they have a contract. They're new. I mean, they're, they should take advantage of that. And if guys aren't doing their job six weeks into the season, then, yeah, you got to make moves. You got to bench them and go with somebody else if you're the coaching staff. Even if Howie's saying, no, you can't, well, then go ahead and fire me. Six games in, we'll be a laughing stock. The Eagles organization will be a laughing stock if you try to fire me at that point. So you hope the new staff uh, comes in and takes advantage of its newness uh, in standing up to whatever the front office requires from them. Well, my hope is because this article just screams too power hungry. Two guys that had full control and ran rapid and a coaching staff that answered to their abating yeah. call. So, I mean, right. you would hope that these guys, you know, we had to fire our super winning head coach. We are a laughing stock right now because this, this is the. No matter what, how any way a fan wants to point paint the picture, this team is as dysfunctional as it gets right now. They're trading their franchise quarterback that they moved up in a really aggressive attempt to get. They just signed him to a fresh $128 million contract extension, and then they already traded him. Yeah. Two years after, not even two years after signing that deal. Like, this is dysfunction at its finest, and you're firing your Super Bowl winning head coach. People were scratching their heads. Your yeah. fans scratching their heads. So, my would hope is you already understand you're in the situation now where you're letting articles like this get out. You're looking, you're, it's only going to get worse. You're only going to, the bad stuff's going to continue to come out, especially since you burned the bridges with the guys you got rid of and like Jim Schwartz and Doug Peterson and all their sources and all their links to, close to them and everything to them. You burn those bridges. So these stories are going to start trickling down as the time goes on. But, like you just said, you got this whole new staff. Mm-hmm. You you have an opportunity to sit back and say, you know what? Our biggest mistake was with Doug's staff and, and the Doug Peterson era was we got way too into it. We got way too hands-on. Now we're bringing all these new guys that come from Kansas City when they first started as coaches to San Diego when they were with the Chargers in San Diego. 
Now he goes to Indianapolis and he works with our old offensive coordinator who, again, works with many organizations and knows how it's supposed to be done. Not guys who stuck around with the same people like Doug Peterson being a part of the Andy Reid tree and us always being attached to Andy Reid in some shape or form. Now we got this whole entire staff that comes from all different types of areas of it. Jonathan Gannon comes from the Mike Zimmer era of football. You have Brian Johnson who brings that college influence that the Eagles desperately tried to grab in Graham Harrell last year. You have him as the quarterback coach who also has a relationship with Jalen Hurts. Shane Seichen was just part of the most prolific seasons in rookie quarterback history with Justin Herbert. You bring him as your offense coordinator. We aren't know-it-alls. We might have won a Super Bowl, but we have failed in every move we made since. Let's mm-hmm. sit back and let these new guys who come from all different likes and purposes of football show us maybe this is the new ways to do stuff. Let's take a step back instead of taking a hands-on approach with these guys. Yeah, I would argue that they're starting to do that. Yeah, that's how you learn from your mistakes. We're all going to make mistakes in life. Howie and Jeff are going to make more mistakes. It's going to happen. That's what you football's a two. It's a coin, man. Heads or tails. Yeah, so you're you, going hope, to, you hope so. You hope the honeymoon period. They give. Them, I hope they give them that honeymoon period, and they let them kind of run things the way they want to on the field with a heavy input into personnel and the draft and free agency. Um, yeah, and, I would understand, and I understand you hoping that. I understand fans saying, "Oh, well, you know." They'll do that at first, but maybe then they'll get hands-on again because it's Howie and Jeffrey. But, I mean, a big way of taking a step back and swallowing your pride is allowing a coach to assemble his coaching staff. And I, besides Jeff Stoutland, Aaron Moorhead, and what you said off-air, maybe Brian Johnson, this coaching staff looks hand-picked by Nick Sirianni to me, and Doug Peterson never had that type of sway. So that's already t- – you know, that's the one mistake that they knew that they did in the process. They already fixed that mistake. Let's see if they may fix another mistake. Maybe they yeah. go ahead and take a linebacker in the first round. Hmm. They go ahead and they take Kyle Pitts and not worry about what fans think about his position because he's a positionless player anyways. Yeah, right. So yeah, maybe maybe they, maybe they do take a quarterback and not care what fans think because that's what the coaches have is telling them to do. Like, this guy can be better than – I mean, hey, we have Trey – we have Brian Johnson and Shane Seitz in that Trey Lance's pro day. Watching him intensely, we're probably going to have him at Justin Fields, probably going to have him at every other quarterbacks because mm-hmm. we're going to do our due diligence. Maybe we're taking the step back and letting them tell us what we should do with this team, and we're going to trust it because we signed these guys to long-term deals. We're in a rebuilding stage of football. We're trying to find our new identity. Let's step, take a step back because when we're hands-on, it's been very bad results lately. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's the hope. That's kind of what I take away from the article is that Let's have some accountability. Let's let the coaching staff, this new coaching staff, tell us what to do, at least initially for this honeymoon period. And let's see where it takes us. And let's try to swallow our egos and and go on, get on board with it. That's the best thing about these articles is that, you know, no, no football team wants the dirty laundry to be aired, but they're good mirrors. They are good mirrors. And maybe, 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 you know, maybe they have taken a step back this off season and say, Hey, We've been getting way too much. The Super Bowl got to our heads a little bit. They mm-hmm. puffed us up a little bit. We're not there yet. Maybe we need to restart. Have these guys with that again from come from all areas of football come in here and teach us a thing or two because there's some strong backgrounds in this building now. You know, I I'm not I they, again. I'm still a wait and wait and see approach for me with this coaching staff, but. Again, Jonathan Gannon has that Mike Zimmer influence. He's done great stuff with Matt Overfluss in, in Indianapolis. 
Shane Seichen again comes to that Los Angeles with what just happened with Justin Herbert, Brian Johnson, Florida, successful Utah quarterback, all different types of programs for football. I'm excited. It's a good yeah. staff. It's a good it's a good looking staff resume wise. I just wish they'd talk to us. I hope they talk to us. I mean, you know, this week you're going to get the Wentz trade. It's going to be official, and maybe, I mean, you know, coaches around the league and GMs around the league have talked. Once once this moves official, you're going to have to address it. I hope have to be there. I mean, or there's going to have to be some kind of leaks that come out. You're not that worried about. I think Sirianni will talk. I'm not sure if Howie will talk. I mean, the move of this magnitude, I think. Oh, he has to because I mean, you can't throw your your head coach who barely even knows Carson Wentz other than text messages out there. That's um, messed up, man. We'll see. Um, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully. I mean, we would have talked to him at the Combine. And of course, that got canceled. And But like I said, you've seen coaches and GMs around the league become available. And I know the Eagles are waiting until they can talk more freely about this trade of Carson Wentz. But who's going to do it? Is it going to be Nick or is it going to be Howie? We'll, we'll see. We will see. I just, man, that, do you really think Howie would – do that stuff to Lane to that extent. Uh, <laughs> listen, I mean, that's what the report is. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with the reporting of, of Jeff McLean, but um, it's surprising if he did. I mean, here's my thing about that. I like Jeff. He's, he's a good writer. He's really not a good writer. He's a fantastic writer. That confrontation of Doug Pearson on the sideline. He was the only one who saw it. Yeah. So, it's fair to question this. I'm sorry. It is. Because there's been some things lately where fans are disagreeing with Jeff on social media, and he's been getting into it with them, and uh, I don't know, Crossing Broad's even documenting it now. But, I mean, I I feel like, I don't know, man. I just don't feel like this is all that. If, if you, you look, Carson Wentz is leaving the team because they drafted Jalen Hurts, or if the Jalen Hurts pick. Played a huge role in Carson Wentz leaving the team and not trusting Howie anymore. Why wasn't Lane trusting them anymore? Why isn't Lane demanding a trade? Why isn't Lane demanding to be out of this team if Harry Rosen's been in a position to injure himself and ruin his football career? Yeah. Well, different personalities, maybe. I don't know. But, um, personalities, but come on, man. If if I'm Lane Johnson and I've been an all-pro to your team and I've been the one draft pick that's worked out for you, you better shut up. <laughs> like I'm not taking that. The rare Pro Bowl player under Howie Roseman, yeah. The um, rare, yeah, the rare first-round draft pick that's worked. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, it, it, it would be a bad fight to pick if you're Howie for, against Lane Johnson, you know, just on what Lane's done for this organization. But then the flip side is, is you know, Howie and Lurie have made Lane Johnson a very rich man with that big contract they gave him back in 2019 and even before that. So, um you know, there's some loyalty, I guess, on Lane's part. The team drafted him. He loves it in Philadelphia, um, has made some good friends in Philadelphia. Um, right. So maybe he's willing to kind of just say, you know what, I'll just chalk it up to how he's trying to, you know, joke around or whatever he was doing in that situation and uh, just move on from it. You know, uh, by all indications in that report are is their relationship now is fine. So. Um, whatever was said and done behind the scenes to to make that right again, then you know you got to give give them credit for for doing that. So uh, I don't know. It's it, you know, look. I mean, like I said, he spent a lot of time with that report and and the research and stuff like that. So um, 
you know, you got to kind of look at it and say, okay, well, that's, that's probably what happened to a degree. You know, if your reporting is good, there you go. Boom. Yeah. Boom. To a degree. Boom. I agree with that completely to a degree. Boom. That's all I needed to hear. That's all. That's exactly what I agree with. So again, moving on, we got to talk about this Trey Lance stuff still though, because they were yeah. in Brian Johnson, Tate station were in attendance for that. It did. I, we said it multiple times before too, because right? I still think it's the same as it is before. I still think they're all in on Jalen Hurts. I think as I, again, hearing more reaffirm that report even makes me feel it even more. But you have to when you're picking in the top ten, Ed, you have to know what you're passing on. You have to know what you're potentially trading away because Justin Fields, Trey Lance, they might be there at six, and and these teams might come calling for them. So I have no issues with the Eagles doing this. This is just standard yeah. business. Standard business. Right. See what you're passing on, or see if he's better than what you have. You're in position to grab that if you if so. So I have no problem with it at all, and I'm not going to read too much into it. And I don't think you, it should say because this. To, as soon as people saw this, they're like, oh, they're not in on Jalen Hurts. Let's stop. <laughs> stop with the silliness. Stop yeah. with the silliness. You have to in the NFL because I'll tell you right now, John Snyder's out there at every quarterback workout, no matter what. Mm-hmm. No matter what, he's sure. been he's he's documented at it each time, and it actually caused a rift with him and Russell Wilson when he was at Josh Allen's pro day. These guys, they have to look at the up and coming talent. Trey Lance, Justin Fields, they might get drafted into the division. You know, Washington might make a move up. Yeah, they might find a way. You know, New York might not be sold on Daniel Jones for all that they're pretending to be because they do have a new head coach. Who knows? You know, but I mean, I I don't think they're going to get rid of him. I'm just saying that you have to, these guys might be your competitors, but not only that, you're in a position to pick them. You should know what you're passing on. You should know what you're potentially trading away. I have no issue with them being there. I think you have to, I think if if they weren't there, I would have an issue with it more than they, than I do with them being there. Mm Mm-hmm. Due diligence, man. It's all about doing your due diligence. To Look, I, think Dylan, uh, I think Dylan Radnons is a great tackle, too. Yeah. You look at him. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. weird. That's weird. As a joke, I'm like, I think the Eagles, two, they sent their two top coaches in for his pro day. I'm like, oh, yeah, Trey Lance practiced, too. I think they were there for him, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've been doing players all week on these pro day Zoom calls and you know, I have a tendency to kind of fall in love with guys after I talk to them for a while. And I'd say I, I like Trey Lance. I think, you know, he's only 20 years old. Um, he he kind of there was a couple moments on that Zoom call where he kind of giggled like, you know, like he was 20 years old. You know, like there's a maturity level that he has yet to reach yet. Um, he's only played 17 games. But, you know, maybe it's because of how he looked. He kind of looked a little like Patrick Mahomes, you know, facially. Uh, <laughs> and, and then you, you look at some of his tape, and he can make throws from different arm slots, and like, like kind of like Mahomes does. So, so I know Daniel Jeremiah comparing him to this, but earlier, uh, I have a great friend that I've grown with the in the analyst world with Thor Nystrom, who covers the NFL draft for NBC Sports, and he compared him to Stephen there too. And I yeah. thought it was interesting that Daniel Jeremiah went back and and did the same thing because. They do have a lot of similarities, actually, Ed. They have a lot of similarities in their game. They're hard runners if they need to be. But they also have cannon arms. I think the yeah. McNair comparisons make a ton of sense. Yeah, and Jeremiah did kind of couch it a little bit by saying that he doesn't have the accuracy of McNair yet. But, I mean, that's something that can be developed. 
Um, and, and I, I've also seen him comp to, uh, uh, to Sean Watson, you know, that comparisons out there on Friday at the pro day, he was compared to a linebacker, the way he runs the ball. I mean, he carried the ball 30 times in the national championship game against, uh, James Madison back in 2019. <laughs> I mean, you know, he, he's a runner. And I have an article comparing, you know, uh, Randy Hedberg, the QB coach at North Dakota State and associate head coach. He talked Friday and I had a story on SI uh, about the comparisons yeah. he made between Wentz and Lance. And it was really a great interview with Hedberg on that. Um, you know, so, you know, Wentz was older. Wentz was 23 when he came to the Eagles. Uh, Lance will be 21 in May. Uh, so that's a big difference that age thing. And that's 17 games of experience in college. Now that's not, uh, you know, that's not obviously Lance's fault. He played the games that were out there to play, canceling the season or moving the season to the spring for North Dakota state. Right, But it's still uh, weird for sure. It's yeah. I mean, it would have been nice for him to get that 15 games in, in the fall, more body of work, but you know, I like what I see from him. I like what I heard from him. And, you know, if you're the Eagles, he has to take the Pat Mahomes route though. So, I mean, it would be yeah. a good position for him to come here because uh, you start Jalen year one. Let Trey sit because uh, I I really don't think he should start year one. I think that'd be not a good thing to do to him. But I think right. the best for him, honestly, and I said it multiple times before, is Carolina. I think him and Matt Rule would be great together. And yeah, Jerry sure. there for a year to help develop him would be instrumental to his career. But let Teddy start first season and then put Trey in there. I I, I think it would be a good situation. But I think it would be good for the Eagles too. I. I yeah. North Dakota State Bison does not affect me from drafting him at all. Because <laughs> I see some people say that, and I think it's funny because, you know, the second time is always a charm with the Bison. You try it once, and then you don't know if you really like it, but then you try it again, and you absolutely love it. Yeah, there would be a segment of this fan base that would just, from the optics point of view, just kind of rip the pick. I mean, you know, Trey Lance could be the next, you know, who knows, Joe Montana, whatever. Deshaun Watson. Trey Lance could even be Steve McNair. I would love Yeah, Steve McNair. Yeah. I mean, listen, like I said, I, I kind of fell in love, and I'm like, you know what? That would be kind of cool if the Eagles took another quarterback, uh, especially this guy who I think does have really good potential. And now Justin Fields will come on whenever Ohio State's pro day is, and I'll fall in love with him too, and I'll, right. I'll hope the Eagles pick him. You know, speaking of that, I mean, one guy I fell in love with this week was the Texas defensive uh, end the, the, or outside linebacker, the pass rusher, uh, Joseph Asai, you know, 6'4", 250 pounds. I mean, this guy in his interview just impressed the heck out of me. Very bright, very into football. You could, you know, the passion for the game really screamed out at you just through the Zoom we were on with him, and I know the Eagles love guys that love to play the game, and you know, Joseph aside to me at a position where they could use somebody, obviously the edge, uh, I think he'd be a great pick for the Eagles yeah. in the second round. If he's there, I mean, he, he may even go in the first round. Who knows? You know who I'm really excited to talk to at Arbor's Pro Day? Seth Williams. I think yeah. Seth Williams would be a good pick for the Eagles if they were to, you know, not put their all their eggs in one basket with Travis Fulgham. Yeah. I think Seth Williams would be a great pick. I'm excited to talk to him and see yeah. what uh, what he's getting into and you know what? How his pro day turns out because I think he could be a good player in the NFL. I think he's getting slept on in this wide receiver class. Yeah, these these pro days have been really interesting to talk to these guys. I mean, you don't get it's hard to get a question in because you're kind of a lot of the people getting called on are the people that cover the team. You know, like this right. Sooner Scoop was on uh, with you know Creed Humphrey and the, all the Oklahoma players that came out. So it's different from the combine where you spend a week and they bring these players out and you can just go ahead and ask whatever you want in the crowd. I mean, the combine's a great 
time to talk to these guys. It's a little more difficult, but it's still kind of fun to get these guys on Zoom and hear what they have to say and kind of form an opinion of of how much they love the game and how intelligent their football IQ is. Like Osai, to me, uh, he's talking concepts on his Zoom call, which uh, was very impressive. So, you know, to me, he's been kind of my favorite guy to talk to this week, followed by maybe uh, Lance, Trey Lance. Like I said, I really thought a lot of Trey Lance. So the Eagles, you know, it's going to be an interesting position once the, you know, once uh, the draft arrives where they go with some of these guys. Real quick. Uh, to round the show out, um, I picked some players who I think are going to make some jumps in 2021. And I wondered if you have any on the top of your head either. But I have, I have a, I have four players that I think are going to make some jumps this year with the new coaches have. And they're young players, but I think they're going to make some jumps this coach have. So I'm going to go real quick through my guys and explain why. Um, number one is obviously Jalen Rager. I think when you have, a coach who specializes in the wide receiver position who may develop you to your traits a little bit better than uh, a previous coaching staff who struggled to do so with younger wide receivers was able to. I, I think Jalen Rager's going to have a big bounce back year. I, not only that, you finally get a real season, man. You know, no injuries, get an actual offseason in, build some camaraderie. He's already working out with Jalen Hurts and Frisco. He's ready to rock. This guy's ready for a bounce back season. I like Jalen Rager's prospects in twenty twenty one. I think he will provide the Eagles fans with a spark uh to liking him more as the pick they made. Uh Quest Watkins would be my number two, actually, surprisingly. I think Quest Watkins, the way that they used him last year, I think this this coaching staff's gonna watch the the spark that he brought to this team and want to build on it a little bit more. I'm starting to actually like Quest Watkins a little bit more than John Hightower, and I did not before. Uh, which was all was funny because I thought Quez Watkins was not going to be a good that great of a player, and I thought John Hightower was like the next John Brown. Now I kind of think the roles are reversed. Now I'm thinking John Hightower might be not that great, and Quez Watkins might be something. So we'll see. That's that's still a total full, but I do think that this coaching staff is going to watch that film with Quez Watkins last year and try to build upon that. I like his prospects next year. Kayvon Wallace, mm-hmm. I really like Kayvon Wallace and Jonathan Gannon's system. Seeing what Jonathan Gannon was able to do with. Julian Blackman, a fellow rookie safety last year, was interesting to me. I think Kayvon's versatility, versatility, being able to play in the slot. You can play the boundary if you need to. Uh, I don't want him as free safety as much. I do like him in the box a lot. I think he could potentially be a Malcolm Jenkins type player, and I, I do like to see what, uh, what Jonathan Gann will be able to do with him as he was able to do with Kenny Moore uh, being come out of nowhere, becoming one of the best nickel corners in the league. And Again, Julian Blackman, a rookie last year, came out of nowhere. Is the reason why that they're so keen on getting rid of Julian? Bla- I mean, excuse me, getting rid of Malik Hooker. So I'd like to see what uh, Jonathan Gannon does with Kevin Wallace next year. And Vontae Maddox for the same reasons. I think you know he's not an outside corner. I think we all know that by now. Uh, but you have, you could still be a good slot corner. There's a really important position in the NFL. Seeing what Kenny Moore has become with Jonathan Gannon, I, I I'm, it makes me excited to see like a guy like Vontae Maddox. I don't think Vontae Maddox is going to be Kenny Moore good. But I do think he's going to be pretty solid in the slot, and I think he's a good, good player out of Vontae Maddox still. So I'd like to see a guy like Jonathan Gannon, who specializes in the defensive backfield, get his hands on him. So my picks here are wide receivers and defensive backs, and the main reason why, Ed, is because the two main guys that they hired, Nick Sirianni and Jonathan Gannon, specialize in the wide receiver and the defensive backfield. Mm-hmm. So, and that's what the Eagles have been struggling with the most these past couple of years. So I'm excited to see they brought coaches who are – have track records of success in those individual fields and in the NFL in different areas too, as well. Cause 
Jonathan Gannon was successful in Minnesota as well. So I'm I'm excited, Ed. I think those guys that I named right there are going to be in for some huge seasons. Not not huge seasons, but some solid seasons for the Eagles. Yeah, I, you know, good names. I mean, I, I'll say about the receiver class. I mean, it could be Watkins or Hightower or both. I mean, nobody heard of Zach Pascal when he came to the Indianapolis. Uh, so you hope that you know these these guys get developed. I mean, they they spent. Draft pick draft picks on them last year, so yeah, you hope they take that. Watkins showed some things to me towards the end of the year, and his his chemistry with Jalen Hurts is it was already there from the start. So build upon it. Yeah, exactly, and I think I think they will, and I think they'll take that leap. And um, that's the one when you mention them maybe going defense in the first round, as you wonder, okay, look, we did spend a lot of draft capital, and we drafted a receiver first round last year. Um, you know, we just can't keep beating ourselves over the head with in the search for weapons when we've spent draft picks on weapons. And now let's see what this coaching staff can do with these guys that we drafted. So I think it's a long shot. They go defense, but you never know. I mean, that could be the mindset. So I like those picks as receivers and I'll I'll add a couple more on defense as far as, you know, maybe making that progression. And one of them is the cornerback, Michael Jaquette. Um, You know, he got, he had a good game and then he came out and he got beat over the head in one game late in the year. Uh, but I think, you know, Michael Jaquette's got the length. He's an undrafted guy um, that maybe this defensive back coach, uh, Denard Wilson, I think. and, and uh, well, Wilson, yep. Yeah, yeah. So you hope that these guys maybe can get something out of Jaquette. I mean, they need to have corners. You have Darius Slay and then who? Yeah, you could draft one in the second or third round in the draft. But, you know, uh, you need to develop who some of these guys are that you have. Maybe you bring in a free agent. But I think Michael Jaquette, could be a candidate to uh, step up and have uh, kind of a, a better year or a year that nobody expects. Like Alex Singleton coming from out of the blue last year, maybe Michael Jaquette is that guy on the defense this year. Uh, and also I like Raycon, Raquan Williams, a defensive tackle who got some snaps last year, you know, with Tracy Rocker as the D line coach, you know, having played the position, um, they need somebody on that defensive line to kind of step up here. If they get rid of Malik Jackson, um, it's not a very good draft class for defensive tackles. Maybe they try to find one on the cheap and free agency, but I, I like Raquan Williams, another undrafted free agent like Chiquette, um, who I think has the ability uh, to, to step up his game, to play more and to be a little bit more productive. So I would add those two names in on the defensive side, Chiquette and Williams. No Gennard Avery from us. Sorry, folks. <laughs> well, I mean, I just – he's so short. You know, he's just a little guy. I mean, he's a kind of a tweener. Do you play him at the end? They're going to try him at linebacker. Um, yeah, I just uh, – it's just a project. I don't think it's going to pan out. Yeah, I don't either. He had that great game against the 49ers last year. Sack and a half really looked good. but Right, but the guy who's playing, Mike McGlinchey, was struggling bad last year. Yeah. So he had a bad season. Yeah, but he's a good player. He had a bad season, and that's who Gennady could beat. But I mean, other than that, I mean, yeah, you're right. That was exciting, but I, I, I'm not really thinking he's going to pan out a linebacker either. No, no. But I like Williams. I like Jaquette. I think the receivers. I think one or both, or you know, certainly Rager. Rager needs to kind of step up, and I think he will. Um, yeah. But those other guys, Watkins, uh, even you know, Ortega Whiteside. I picked them to have a breakout year last year. I was wrong, so I'm not going to go back with him predict anything for him um but again yeah i understand why there's some fans getting optimistic about Whiteside, but i'm just not doing it 
Yeah. I I don't think it's going to happen at all. The guy is just too slow. And I think if anything, if if Philly's probably already crushed him enough, he needs to go have a change of scenery a little bit somewhere else. Yeah. One of, one of the nicest kids in the world, but you know, you just, it just doesn't seem to translate over onto the field, unfortunately. Yeah. All right. Well, that does it for us guys. Again, stay tuned to all our articles and John McMullins as well on, si.com slash nfl slash eagles stay up to late we're going to be at all these pro days lately because they're going to be rocking and rolling and eds and john have been killing the coverage for that so far already so stay tuned with that and we'll be back soon with a new episode of eagles brawl with more coverage on leading up for the free agency and the 2021 nfl draft thanks for tuning in for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.